Hello friends and welcome to episode 18 of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. A special shout out as always to our friends in Montana, our friends in Wyoming, our friends in Idaho, our friends in Sri Lanka, our friends in Belize, our friends in Florida, Ireland, Maine. I think that's all of them. Uh, my name's Clayton Croker, coming to you from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, to my left. Uh, Justin, don't call me Mr. Anderson. And we have uh, the Maritime Mistress Maker, President, Financial Treasurer, Secretary of the Allen Doyle Fan Club. We have uh, Patrick Marsh. Uh, today, it's the end of the season. We're going to be kind of recapping the uh, year that was for the Jays, talking about that Russell Martin managed game. I think that was kind of cool. Uh, we're going to talk about who we're going to keep, who we're going to get rid of, and we're going to do a little bit of a playoff preview as well. Uh, just a reminder, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, just look up Batflips Maple Dips. If you can't search anything on those social media websites by now, figure it out. Uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music. Again, Batflips Maple Dips. If you don't know how a search bar works, for the second time in 20 seconds, figure it out. Uh, let's get to the uh, last series here, boys. Uh, we went to the TROP, and we actually won a game in the TROP. Hey, yeah. go us. Awesome. Uh, it was the uh, first game of the series there, 7-6 win for the Jays. What did you guys see in that game? I mean, are there any positives when your team is already eliminated? Like, Can you, can you really take any positives from the series in general? Uh, I liked watching the kids get a chance to really kind of let loose they they started the rookies for the most part and it was it was it was fun i mean panone was kind of shaky that game but i mean he he didn't look too bad for a 20 or 4 year old rookie who mm-hmm. started late in the season i know well, we mentioned last week when patrick and i were here that he had that ped suspension to start the year the 80 games so for him to come back to triple a and then make it to the big leagues in that shortened season is pretty cool for him Patrick Pannone, is he back, or has he been back the entire time? I can't keep track with these he's back, he's not back references. What is he right now? He never left. He's doing exactly what we expected him to do, which is this time around. He got uh, hit around the ballpark a little bit more. Uh, Like Justin said, it's not too bad for a 24-year-old rookie who had to deal with an 80-game suspension. Imagine if he hadn't gotten suspended. Would he have gotten called up earlier, and how would he have performed? Mm -hmm. Good call. Um, when it comes to the bats, Gritch Daddy, three-run triple. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez, two for three, two walks. He had a dinger. Uh, Rowdy, of course he had a dinger. He always does. But uh, let's talk about Tim Meza specifically here. Has he done enough to earn a bullpen spot for next year? The past couple of weeks we've been talking about Tim Meza as a guy who's kind of flown under the radar. He's had some rough outings, but at the same time he's had some really, really good outings. So, Patrick, do you see Tim Meza in the fold for the Jays in 2019? Yes, he he's going to be either Mr. 7th inning or Mr. 8th inning next season. You can take your pick as to which one. I don't see us needing to go out and invest money in one of those uh, roles just because it seems to me like Tim Meza is here. He has risen, and uh, he was great in his 35.2 innings pitched a season. Deserves a lot more credit than what he had gotten throughout the year. I'm happy to say that Tim Meza is back. Was that an Easter reference there? He has risen? risen. He will come again to judge the living and the dead? Is that what he's going to do? On the third day, did he rise? Or was it the fourth day? The 35th inning. The 35th inning. (laughs) The 35th.2. All that was missing there was the Stations of the Cross joke, and I'm pretty sure we had all the Easter jokes handled there. Um... 
let's get to game two here. Ryan Barucki, <laughs> a.k.a. Show Rucky, uh, six and two-thirds. He did give up those two home runs. He did walk three guys. Uh, Justin, I know you hate this stat, but he was four and six this year. I know you hate yeah. the win-loss thing for pitchers, especially when it comes to guys like Jake DeGrom and stuff like that. But his 3.87 ERA, it's kind of, you know, not bad, not great. It's solid. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Barucki, do you still have him below Sean Reed Foley in the uh, pitching power rankings for the Jays? Uh, at this point, no, based on major league sample size. Uh, they're completely different pitchers. We've talked about that before. Obviously, left and right-handed. Sean Reed Foley is a strikeout pitcher, whereas Brucky is a Mark Burley-esque type mm-hmm. where, where he limits contact and uses his defense more. Um, they're really the perfect complement to each other. Them kind of back-to-back in a rotation is, is a pretty good mix. Yeah. Uh, I, I have Baraki, like, they're, they're, I know they're right next to each other in the prospect rankings. Uh, they're pretty much interchangeable at this point to me. Gotcha. Uh, Patrick, Sean Reed Foley, Ryan Baraki, who's higher on the Blue Jay power ranking list right now? Uh, it has to be Baraki. Baraki was way better uh, while he was called up. And I think we all agreed not too long ago that Baraki will probably be our number three guy next year uh, after Sanchez and Stroman. You can put them in whatever order you want. Uh, Baraki has done enough to earn a full-time starter position with the Jays next year. So good for him. Last month, Justin was like me with Kevin Pillar, always had Sean Reed Foley's back no matter what. <laughs> like no matter what, no, Sean Reed Foley's better. SRF is the guy. Now you're kind of flip-flopping. Now you're like, okay, Ryan Baraki showed us some stuff. I like how you yeah. can uh, change your mind there. You're not a they, stubborn guy. They were showing uh, a little stat that Ryan Baraki actually had 11 starts this season where he went at least six innings and gave up less than two runs. Mm. Or two runs or less, sorry. And Jay Happ had seven of those when he was with the Jays. Wow. So and they they pitched similar amounts of time mm-hmm. with in the Jays rotation this season. So Baraki, in that sense, did a better job of Jay Happ going deep in games without giving up a ton of runs. So I thought that was a pretty interesting stat. We're talking about pitching a lot this game because the bats were dog shit. Uh, yeah. Danny Jansen had three Ks that game. Urena had the uh, golden sombrero. Because, Let's talk yeah. about uh, Danny Jansen, though. He's really fallen from grace. Is, is his bad stretch of baseball the last couple weeks worrying you about next year at all or no? No, not for me. He's learning the pitching stuff. Patrick, are you a little worried about Danny Jansen at all or... Not at all. He's got Daddy Martin with him, and he, Daddy Martin proved that he can uh, do no wrong as far as managing. So, <laughs> I mean, he didn't win. With that said, let's, yeah, let's talk about the season finale. Yeah, that, uh, that was an epic season finale. I liked how John Gibbons gave Russell mm-hmm. Martin the reins to manage the game. I mean, it was his last game as Blue Jays manager, and he's like, screw it. I don't, I don't even want to manage it. I don't even want to work. I'm just going to drink straight rye in the clubhouse and do Gibby things. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of hoping for one more Gibby gif for the Gibby gif Twitter page. Yeah. But we didn't get it. Didn't get it. Whatever. He had enough in that last week. There are so many Gibby gifts from this last past week. Um, how do you think Russell Martin did managing this game? Pretty good. Oh, he had Kevin Pillar leading off, so obviously it I don't think It was a weird lineup. 275 yeah. on base percentage in the leadoff, yeah, so I couldn't weird, believe it. Yeah, it was a weird, weird lineup. But hey, Kevin Pillar went 3-for-3 three three that game, so obviously a pretty pretty good job by Russell Martin. I mean, you yeah. want your leadoff guy to go 3-for-3. Three three. Uh, cool, cool. No, I'll, I'll give Kevin Pillar a little bit of props. He hit his 40th double in that game, too. I think it was like the, something like the 16th or 17th Blue Jay in history to do that. Oh, wow. And he finished top 20 in the, in the bigs in doubles, but he's probably bottom 20 in on-base percentage. So Yeah. Gaviglio, uh, five and two-thirds, six hits, though, five earned runs, three walks. 
Uh, what else did we expect? Exactly. Gaviglio is <laughs> such, a, such a tweener kind of player. We don't know if he's going to be with the team next year. We don't know if we can just ship him out or yeah, cut him or whatever. Something. It, it's kind of one of those things where it doesn't really matter what we do with him. You can be like, okay, I can see why we did that, you know? I think we'll expose him to the real five draft. I think so, too. Guys. Uh, Joe Biagini. I think this might be the last time we talk about Joe Biagini on the podcast. Please, God. Hopefully the next time we talk about him, it's because he's gone. Yeah, six ERA, trails. Uh, three earned runs, and three hits over those two-thirds inning pitched. I don't even know why we threw him into this game, honestly. Because, Russell Martin like, was just auditioning him to get out of town. Yeah, but like Jays fans already had enough with this guy, yeah. and it's like, okay, we we ended it on that. Like, What a Josh Towers move by Joe Biagini to end his Blue Jay tenure on that. Uh, Patrick, what did you think about the team just kind of going out with a whimper. Again, they have known for a long time they're not going to make the playoffs. <laughs> but usually May. the last game of the year, you put in a little bit more effort. It just didn't seem like they were there mentally, hey? Yeah, I mean, it's at the point where everybody's just kind of happy the season's over, <laughs> including the fans. Um, Joe Biagini did us a favor and did what he normally does when he pitches, which is suck. Up. And uh, he made sure that we weren't going to win this one. So it's kind of reflective of the season as a whole, mm-hmm. where Biagini ends his uh, season and probably his MLB career with a 6.00 ERA on the nose. And uh, hopefully when he's flipping burgers next year, I can ask him, yes, I would like fries with that. Joe Biagini has not risen. He will not come again. He will not judge the living and the dead. <laughs> um, what do you guys think of the season? I mean, obviously disappointment, uh, but <laughs> I mean, the season's over now. Looking back on it, um, what do you think? What were some bright spots? What were some low points for you guys? How are you guys going to remember this season for the Jays? 2018, a couple sentences to wrap up this year. Okay. Uh, well, it started with false hope that for some of us, cough, cough, Patrick carried over way too long in the season. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember our early episodes where Patrick kept coming up with cool scenarios about how the Jays were still in it. <laughs> yeah. And they were not. <laughs> that faded out pretty quick. Yeah. Um, cautious optimism. And with regards to some of these rookies, like Lourdes Gurriel, uh, Ryan Baraki, Sean Reed Foley in spurts, Thomas Pannone in spurts showed some potential. Uh, Danny Jansen, from a game calling aspect, and I mean with his bat too, um, at times has shown what he what he can do. Rowdy Telez was pretty cool to watch in the last couple of weeks. September was a fun month actually, and we did, might not have won a ton of games, but uh, just seeing the kids, like seeing John Birdie get a call up yeah. after eight years in the minors, was pretty cool. So there was there was some cool stories in terms of like debuts this year. Jonathan Davis moving up from Double A all the way to the majors this year. Uh, so there there was a lot of. Uh, I think progress in the, in terms of young players, and that's probably what this season should be known for more is as progress moving forward, let al- other than us just kind of floundering. Patrick, couple sentences to wrap up the year. What did you think of it? Well, I thought that this season uh, went a lot worse than what I expected. I actually thought that the Jays were going to win eighty five games this year, uh, but man, I just could not believe how poorly the pitching staff. Uh, pitched all year long the bats did more or less what was expected i mean sure there were some uh cold moments for guys we rely very heavily on like uh smoke and uh we can rely very much so on salarte while donaldson was hurt and those guys they would go invisible in the middle of nowhere but i mean if if this team 
was in need of an enema, the pitching staff is where we have to stick the nozzle and just flush out all those really bad pitchers who just don't deserve a spot on an MLB roster. I'll always remember this season as the changing of the old guard season because we started with no Jose Batista, which was just weird. Mm -hmm. And by week one, I think we all knew that Josh Donaldson wasn't going to be a Blue Jay as well. So they got rid of two of the biggest faces in the franchise, if not the biggest faces Mm -hmm. in the franchise this season. And then you go out and get rid of Roberto Osuna, which, again, we still don't really know if that was a good move or a bad move. Hands kind of tied with that. So Roberto Osuna, gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jay Happ, gone. Uh, It was one of those years where we just got rid of everyone, and we did get some good pieces back, but it's kind of that changing of the guard season where, okay, we gave it a shot. We kept Josh for a while. We tried to add some pieces this year with Granderson and try and be competitive, but it didn't work out. Mm -hmm. So this is the changing of the guard season where next year, okay, let's give the young guys a shot and let's start building something special. But I'll always remember this year as just like, man, this was kind of the end of an era. Yeah. Kind of the end of those uh, playoff Blue Jay teams where mm-hmm. we had Edwin and Batista and Josh and all these guys, and now now they're all gone. So, like, this was kind of the last hurrah for that uh, era of Blue Jay baseball, and it was sad that it went out that way because, yeah, we sucked this year. It, it's okay. it, it sucked. We're going to get Troy Tulowitzki as our starting shortstop next season. I would love that. I think I said Troy it, I said it last week. Awesome. I'm, give, I'm, giving him the, I'm giving him the call. He sat out all year. Maybe he's healthy. Maybe he lasts long. Like, who knows? We still got Diaz as the new Ryan Goins of the squad. Like, it would be great. Uh, let's get to the roundtable topic of the day. Uh, we have nine players. We can pick three to keep on the team for next year. We're going to pick three to trade and three to cut loose, whether it be a buyout or an option or DFA, whatever. Um, here are the players. Devin Travis, Justin Smoke, Kevin Pillar, Gritch Daddy, Dalton Pompey, Jonathan Davis, Russell Martin, Luke Maley, and Danny Jansen. So we can keep three of them, trade three of them, cut or buy out or whatever three of them. Mm-hmm. Patrick, I'll let you go first here. Who are you going to keep out of those three? Whew. Um, I thought a lot about this one, and my picks are way off board. Uh, but bear with me here. Uh, the number one player out of all of these guys we should keep, believe it or not, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but it's going to be Russell Martin. And the reason why is because Russell Martin is going to be, for lack of a better term, a player slash manager next year. He is going to be a leader in that uh, <clears throat> clubhouse, and he's going to show Danny Jansen the ropes and give him everything he needs to succeed as an all-star catcher now and in the future. And I trust Russell to be able to do everything that needs to be done in his final season to get the team ready and kind of unite them and get them prepared for hopefully success in the future. Uh, Number two guy I want to protect is also a catcher, Danny Jansen. He is going to be the future catcher for this team for a very long time. I think he's got the skills And I think he has the smarts to be able to do everything that Russell Martin does except better because he's younger. The third guy I want to keep is Randall Grichuk because I think we have yet to see his ceiling. Uh, He came very close to hitting 30 home runs this year. And I do believe that the April, May uh, batting under 100 was just a bad time for him he wasn't positioning himself right at the plate he was trying way too hard to be a part of the slugfest we had going on early on 
And I think Randall Gritchick is going to be a cornerstone outfielder for us for a long time as well, just because he's got the power, he's got the glove, he's got everything we need him to do to more or less replace someone like Jose Batista. All right, Justin, who are you keeping out of those nine guys? <clears throat> well, Danny Jansen, number one, for reasons that Patrick said, um, catcher of the future for us. Uh, second, I'm going to keep Randall Grittrick as well. Um, again, same info as Patrick. And third, I'm keeping Justin Smoke at first base. Mine are the exact same. Yeah. I can't see any other three guys that we want to keep out of these mm-hmm. nine. Yeah. I mean, Danny Jansen, we obviously got to keep. We're not going to get rid of Danny Jansen after all the time we invested in him. Um, out of all those guys, as much as I love Kevin Pillar, I would way rather have Randall Gritchick over Kevin Pillar, especially yeah. because, again, I support Kevin Pillar no matter what he does, <laughs> but he has declined. He has definitely declined. I think Randall Gritchick is younger and has a lot more upside than Kevin Pillar. And you got to keep Justin Smoke. I mean, Justin Smoke's one of our best players, so we can't yeah. get rid of him either. So I think it's got to be those three guys. I agree with Patrick how Russell Martin, he should be there as a player-manager kind of guy, but the fact that he's going to be making $20 million next year, and I know that he's been with the Jays for four years. I know that you know fans love him, the players love him, but we could do a lot with that $20 million. Yeah. We can get some great bullpen guys. We could go <laughs> after a veteran starter. We can do a lot of things with that $20 million instead of having a backup catcher who might manage the last game of the season, you know? Um, Okay, out of those guys, I am trading Russell Martin. I'm going to try and get something for his contract. Might have to eat some of it. Yeah, maybe. I'm going to try and trade Kevin Pillar because I think a team could still use him and we could still get something back for him. And I think we try and trade Dalton Pompey because I think he's still young enough where teams would take a chance and think that he's a prospect and we maybe get something in return for him. Uh, Justin, who are you trading? I'm trading Devin Travis. I think someone still has value in him. I'm also trading Kevin Pillar, and I'm trading Luke Maley. Hmm. You think we can get anything for Luke Maley? He's a backup catcher. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, backup catchers are kind he's, of in he's, demand. He's too. a good game caller. Yeah, and he can play decent defense. Yeah. So I think there's a, there's a market for that. It won't be much, but there's a market there. Okay, Patrick, who are you trading? Uh, the number one guy I'm going to trade is Justin Smoke, and the reason why was is because. He was the Toronto Blue Jays' most valuable player this season, uh, which means that he has the most value out of anybody. And I think that we're in a situation (laughs) now where we need to reload, uh, get some young players, and I think Smoke could be used for his value. So we will pick up his option, but he will get dealt. Hmm. Um, Number two, I would trade... Uh, la, 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 la. I think I would trade Devin Travis as well because he has value. And uh, I I don't think he's quite done. I don't think we've seen the best of Devin Travis. Um, there's just, I don't know if it's because he was just perpetually injured or whatever it is. I think he just needs a fresh start somewhere else again. Uh, it's certainly not uh, back in Detroit, but somewhere like that where he can go to a park that doesn't have like turf and maybe it's not so bad on his very frail bones. Uh, the third guy I would trade is uh, Kevin Pillar because uh, Pillar has value. He's obviously excuse me, a competent center fielder with defensive ability. He's proven that he can hit 
for power in a hitter's park. Uh, his on-base percentage is really bad, but we have to at least try to con- or attribute some of that uh, to the fact that he has a terrible hitting coach. So I say give Kevin Plar a fresh start somewhere like, say, Kansas City. I think he would thrive in center field with uh, Kansas City. He might not hit much better uh, in, a, in Kaufman, but it'd be cool to kind of see him get a fresh start in a city where, um, you know, they just recently lost a great center fielder in uh, Lorenzo Cain, and maybe Pilar fills that void. I don't know. It's funny how you blame the hitting coaches for <laughs> Pilar hitting in Toronto, and then you're like, you know what, maybe it's a bigger ballpark, he might struggle there. Which is it? Is it Pilar's hitting, or is it the hitting coaches? It's both. When you're that bad, it's both. <laughs> oh, what a coincidence, hey? you got to stop blaming the coaches for everything. Sometimes the players have to take this responsibility. It's not all the coaches' fault. I know you have a hate on for our coaches, but I don't think they're that bad. Um, everyone else, we cut loose. We can just yeah. kind of figure that out, hey? Yeah. Um, just a disclaimer, too. This was this isn't saying that this is going to happen. This no, is just this a hypothetical. Is what we would do if yeah. we're Ross if, Adkins. It's like one of those kill Mary yeah. things where yeah. you have to pick somebody. Mm-hmm. Just, this is just what the kind of. Class. I got a question for you guys. Yeah. Before we before we wrap this up, uh, what did you think of my idea with Justin Smoke? Do you think it's like four dimensional chess, or <laughs> it's just straight up a mistake? It seems like a logical baseball move to me. Uh, yeah, you pick up that option because it's eight million. Um, you know he can be worth more than that on the free agency market, and is worth more than that. He's probably worth twice that on the free agency market right now on a two year deal. Uh, so you, you you pick up that option and you can get a ton of stuff for an eight million dollar Justin Smoke mm-hmm. down the road at the trade deadline if you if you want to if if he doesn't look like we're going to re-sign him again because we might have a first base prospect like a Rudy Telez or a Chad Spanberger who's coming on his way up. I just don't think we trade Justin Smoke yet. I think that we got to keep some guys from the old guard. Mm-hmm. We need we can't just yeah. blow the whole thing up, you know, and just start from scratch. Yeah, Smokey's going to be like one of those trade deadlines. Yeah. Next, this coming season. I think if yes. Rowdy keeps playing the way he is, and it looks like he might because he's a pretty good ball player. He's, again, it kind of started as a joke, but he's a pretty good ball player. Yeah, um, his numbers are kind of unsustainable. Yeah. But even if he regresses to the norm, he should be serviceable. Yeah, I just don't think, yeah, I don't think it's, I don't really, I like Justin Smoke. I really, really oh, want to yeah. keep him on the team. Plus, he's pretty good defensively. Mm-hmm. And having Solid. a bad defensive first baseman that can't dig and can't get those bad balls, I mean, it's a huge game changer. You wouldn't think about it, but having a good defensive first baseman is a really he's involved, really in good thing to have. So many of the plays, yeah. Right? Um, let's get to the playoffs, shall we? Um, something that the Blue Jays aren't in again. Um, the two tiebreakers today. What yeah. did you think of two tiebreakers? Did you guys get to watch them or? Um, I watched a little bit on my lunch break of the Milwaukee uh, Chicago game. And I just I can't get enough Christian Yelich. I could watch Christian Yelich swing all day. His swing is so flat, like it's it, so much of his swing path is in the strike zone. Mm-hmm. It's no wonder why he bats the way he does. I I was talking to Patrick today on Skype and said uh, I I saw somewhere about there's a a quote from Chipper Jones back when Yelich was a prospect coming up, mm-hmm. and he said and he, Chipper was quoted as saying that kid's gonna win a bunch of MVPs one day. Hmm. So. That's pretty cool. That was, that was like seven years ago, six, seven years ago that Chipper said that. And, yeah. And Yelich should be the NL MVP. Yeah, so he pretty, definitely kinda, should. Kind of cool uh, from a Hall of Famer. Patrick, did you get to watch the tiebreakers today? I got to watch just the uh, ass end of uh, Los Angeles and Colorado. It was kind of scary going into the ninth. Uh, 
they took out Kenta Maeda and put in Kenley Jansen, even though uh, the winner of this team or, or of this one or the loser, or whatever, was going to end up having to play again tomorrow. And uh, Kenley gave up back-to-back bombs to Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story. And I started to wonder whether or not it was a mistake putting Kenley in the game. But he managed to shut the door. LA gets the uh, number three seed. It was kind of cool, the fact that we had two game number 163s today. And what's weird is that whatever they do in this extra game, it counts towards their regular season stats. Does it? It does. Hmm. Yep. Cool. Okay, let's talk about the uh, wildcard games here. We got Oakland and New York playing at Yankee Stadium. In the National League, we got Colorado and Chicago. Out of those two wildcard games, which one do you think is going to be the most crazy? Because when you think of wildcard games, you think of craziness. (laughs) Which one has that crazy factor between those two games? Yankee Stadium and these power bats, like Chris Davis, Stanton, Judge, Mm -hmm. Gary Sanchez, hitting in that short porch. That I think there's gonna. I wonder what the over under on home runs is gonna be in that wild card game. If it's seven. if it's not like five, six, seven yeah. home runs hit in that game, I'll be surprised. If it's not like a ten to eight final, it's probably gonna be like a crazy pitchers duel. Yeah. So Patrick, do you think um, the Yankee game is gonna be the crazy one, or do you think Colorado Chicago is gonna be the crazy one? I think Colorado and Chicago is gonna be a crazy one, just because Colorado just got their asses beat, and uh, they're gonna they're gonna go to. Sh- Chicago and they're going to be super pissed off. They're going to want to. They're going to want to win that game. And I actually think Oakland's going to spank New York. Um, just the with reference to what Justin said, there's so many like heavy bats, and I just I have a very weird feeling about this Oakland team. Like it's going to moneyball its way right to the World Series, and nothing would make me happier than to watch. The New York Yankees lose at Yankee Stadium. I think that Oakland's going to make some noise in the playoffs, not just in that wildcard game. I think they're going to give Boston a run for their money. I don't think they're going to beat Boston because Boston is untouchable this year. But I think that Oakland is one of the most underrated teams in baseball this year. Um, so you guys are picking you're picking New York over Oakland? Yeah. I'm going Oakland over New York. Uh, when it comes to Colorado-Chicago, I'm taking the Cubs. Wrigley Field, Cubs don't lose a lot at Wrigley Field during the playoffs. I mean, except for the Bartman game. I think we all know that. But when the Cubs kind of turn things around and they started playing playoff games again, they play really good at Wrigley Field during the playoffs. Who do you think is going to win that game? I'm going to say Chicago. John Lester is going to pitch. He's going to pitch well. And you are saying Colorado, Patrick? I'm going to say the final score is going to be 5-4, to but it's going to go to 14 innings. (laughs) It's going to be Chicago who ekes it out. All right, so let's talk about Boston for a bit. I kind of touched on it that Boston's untouchable, but yeah. what does Boston have to do to avoid an upset? Because that's the thing with these teams that have no challenge during right. the regular season. They kind of they don't know what competition is, you know? They don't know what to do in those close games. What can Boston do to uh, make sure that doesn't happen to them? Score a ton of runs and hope that their starting pitching doesn't implode. Uh, we have David Price, who had a great regular season, but we all know his playoff history. Uh, Chris Sale... Might not be 100% healthy. It's hard to say. He's He's been on the DL a couple of times mm-hmm. and gotten some limited work towards the end of the year. So we'll kind of see what's up with them. Like I, I kind of worry a little bit about their starting pitching. Their offense has enough power to carry them, like Martinez, Betts, Mitch Moreland had a good season, uh, to carry them a long way. But it's, the playoffs always come down to pitching. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, what do you think Boston has to do to uh, not get beat by Oakland? 
lean really, really, really hard on their bullpen, especially their closer. I just, I don't think you want to, you know, Rochambeau with Oakland. I just think it's too risky, and they need to get some some of those, you know, flame-throwing relievers in there to kind of shut down uh, the athletics. I don't know if there's anybody except maybe Chris Sale who's going to be able to effectively shut down the Oakland hitters. And I say lean hard on the uh, the re- relievers, and it's uh, Craig Kimbrell, right? Yeah. Their closer? Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be working overtime during this series, some regardless of how many games it goes. So yeah. because of Boston's star power and because of the craziness of these two tiebreaker games and because of everyone kind of talking about Oakland as the team that might surprise everyone, seems like no one's really talking about this Houston-Cleveland series, yeah. which is going to be an awesome, awesome series play, awesome because Houston series. is such a fun team to watch. Cleveland can hit bombs. Josh Donaldson and Edwin, I mean, from a Blue Jay perspective, I'm kind of rooting for Cleveland there. <laughs> I kind of hope that Josh finds some playoff magic. Uh, what do you think about that series? Do you think it's going to be one of those series that no one expects to be good but is one of those great series? I think we're going to see some pitching duels in that series. I think that's what it's going to come down to. I mean, Cleveland had... Uh, four pitchers in their starting rotation cracked 200 strikeouts this year first team in history to do that and and the Astros aren't far behind with their starting rotation too so I mean I'm looking forward to seeing Verlander pitch in the playoffs he always puts on a great performance but I also am looking forward to seeing what Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor can do against against the great pitching staff yeah I I honestly think that's gonna be a little bit more entertaining of a series a closer series than than the Boston whoever Boston plays yeah um we might see some. We might see less bombs from Cleveland and, but I mean Cleveland and, and Houston can both hit too. It's, yeah. These these American League teams are all big power hitting teams. That's yeah. gonna be fun to watch. Patrick, do you think the uh, pitching duel is going to happen for Houston Cleveland? And if it does, uh, which starting rotation is gonna be better, Houston's or Cleveland's? Cleveland's pitching staff, I think, is the best in baseball, and there's a lot of evidence to say that I'm correct. But I don't think it's going to matter in the long term with this series because I think it's all going to come down to uh, I think it's going to come down to how well the Cleveland hitters do, and I think it's going to come down to you know the Edward Encarnaciones and the Jose Ramirez's and whether or not they can get the extra base hits and drive in the runs uh, to try to squeeze out the victories, and I don't think they're going to do it. When it comes to the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, they're, of course, going to be playing Colorado or Chicago. Uh, do you see any of those wildcard teams, like either Colorado or the Cubs, challenging the Milwaukee Brewers at all, Patrick? Or do you think that the Brewers have this uh, first-round series in the bag? Yeah, the Brewers got to be one of the most exciting teams to watch, and Christian Yelich is a god. I think <laughs> he's just invincible, and I think he alone is just going to carry them all the way to the World Series. But their rotation is pretty bad. Like, they don't really have a lot of great pitching. They have good pitching, but they don't have great pitching. And the one thing I notice in the playoffs is that when good pitching crumbles, it really crumbles. Like, sometimes great pitching can kind of rebound and be like, okay, they can kind of rely on their greatness. When it comes to good pitching, if you're bad, there's no coming back. So do you think that uh, Milwaukee's pitching is going to hold up here, Justin, or no? Well, if they can get a lead to their bullpen, they'll be fine. They have one of the best bullpens in the National League with with Josh Hader. That guy just, Mm -hmm. I think he pitched two innings today. He just mowed down 
the Cubs batters. It was crazy to watch. Uh, if they can get a lead to their bullpen, I think I think the games will be over. Uh, but yeah, like I agree with you. Their starting rotation can be suspect at times, but I think that they have enough uh, firepower in that offense that that they should be able to get through the first round at least. And just like the Houston and Cleveland series, uh, Atlanta and LA, no one's really talking about it. Yeah. You know, it's kind of one of those series where it's like, ah, whatever. I'm kind of pumped to see Atlanta back in Atlanta's the playoffs. Atlanta's interesting, yeah. Atlanta's a very interesting young team. LA is pretty much the opposite. Not saying that they're interesting, but I mean, LA is always filled with veterans, filled with these mm-hmm, high played, mm-hmm. ga- high played, high paid. High-paid free agents yeah. nailed it on the fourth try there. Uh, these high-paid free agents, they always spend their money. Atlanta, and they spend some money, but usually they stick to their farm system. Who do you have in that series? Um, oh, man, I've got Atlanta moving through. I, I'm interested to watch that series. I think Blue Jay fans should probably watch it. That could be us in a couple of years with these young kids. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we can catch lightning in a bottle too like the Braves did this season and have everyone kind of get ready at the same time. Mm-hmm. We're kind of tracking in that direction. For us, it's going to come down to pitching again. A brief Jay's segue. But I think Atlanta just has the sheer talent to get through and upset the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers, even though they're the number three seed to Atlanta's number two, I think they're still going to be the favorites just because Mm -hmm. of playoff experience um, in that series. But I, I do have Atlanta moving through. Patrick, do you have Atlanta coming through, or do you think their inexperience is going to hurt them? Their inexperience is going to catch up with them. This Dodgers team is built to win. And while they might not go all the way this year, they're I think they're just going to sweep aside the Braves like they're nothing. And the Braves can kind of go back to the drawing board and take that useful experience and just become even more powerful next year. All but right. this isn't their year. Let's hear the predictions then for the playoffs. And I'm looking at uh, the notes for the show here. Um, mine are the exact same as Justin's, and I'm pretty sure they're for the same reasons because me and Justin really think alike. Um, so I'm going to let Justin basically do the talking for me. But, yeah, uh, me and Justin picked the exact same outcome. I might just disagree for the sake of good podcasting, though. I don't Patrick's know. doing enough disagreeing for the Well, podcast. yeah, that's very true. But Because, uh, again, Justin has Boston uh, versus Cleveland in the second round in the ALCS. I still think Houston might be able to beat Cleveland. Yeah, that's good. That's a toss-up. I had a hard time deciding. Yeah. I, went, I went with the with the Jays, Edwin and and and, and yeah. Josh making it through. So you know what? I might think that um, just for disagreeing, I'll take Houston, but it doesn't really matter because Boston's going to beat whoever's in there anyway. <laughs> um, Patrick, who do you have in the LCS? The LCS is going to be between the Oakland Athletics and the Houston Astros, and it's going to be. The most exciting ALCS that we've seen in a very long time. Okay. And the reason why is because Oakland, they're kind of like the little brother. They're kind of like David and Houston are a lot like Goliath. These and I just references, there's man. something I about keep up. What's it? Yeah, I know. We're just going full on Bible. <laughs> but uh, no, I think Houston's going to beat Cleveland in uh, five games. And I think Oakland is going to beat Boston in four I think Boston's actually going to choke this year. And you know what? If I'm wrong, then it was obvious. But if I'm right, then I look like a genius. I don't know, Patrick. Yeah, I don't think Boston's going <laughs> to falter, I think. We'll yeah, see. Oh, see. man, they're good at baseball I think team. Boston's going to sweep whoever wins the wild card game. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the <laughs> NLCS. Um, Justin, who do you have? I've got Milwaukee playing Atlanta. And I'll, I'm gonna take Milwaukee to win there. Okay. I, I'm just I'm rooting for for Christian Yelich. And I mean we've got a couple. We've got Curtis Granderson playing for the Brewers. Yeah. So I'm gonna go. I, I wanna I'll make a Jays 
little bit of a Jays bender here, trying to get gotcha. him, trying to get him going. Patrick, I see you have Milwaukee, <laughs> but you don't have Atlanta. Nope, I've got Milwaukee versus Los Angeles. I like I said, this isn't Atlanta's year. I think the Dodgers are going to sweep them aside like they're nothing, and. Uh, they're going to be in very tough against Milwaukee. I think you guys are underrating the crap out of the Milwaukee starting rotation, especially uh, Julius Chassin, he who had a phenomenal yeah. year. Yeah, Gustavo's kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not, but I think Milwaukee versus Los Angeles is going to be one of those classic NLCS. It's not going to go the whole way, but uh, Milwaukee is going to eke out a six-game win over the very tired Dodgers. I'm going Brewers, Braves. I think uh, I think the Braves have what it takes to beat L.A., and I just think that their young bats are going to explode, and the Braves, the Braves might go on another tear in that division, kind of like the 90s when yeah. the Braves could not lose that division, even if they tried. I think the it's Atlanta Braves, like that. they're going to have another version of that because they are good at baseball. Yeah. Uh, okay, who do you have going to the World Series here? I have Boston-Milwaukee. Yeah, same with me. I know that's a boring pick because it's like, okay, they're the two best teams in each the league. The number one seeds, yeah. But Boston's good, Milwaukee's good, and I just don't see any of those other teams matching their talent. And when it comes to playoff baseball, I mean, in hockey, you can kind of get gritty with it, and your team doesn't have to be as good. Speaking of gritty. Yeah, speaking of gritty. Yeah, I can't say that anymore without thinking of gritty. But um, in hockey, you can kind of get over for a lack of talent with heart. In baseball, yeah. you can't hide the talent. You know, So I just think Boston and Milwaukee are just so talented, and it's going to be them in the World Series. Patrick? It's going to be the battle of the smaller markets with Milwaukee versus Oakland. And I think that... It's going to be interesting, but uh, Milwaukee is going to take home the World Series this year. Man, you know that Major League Baseball would just be dreading if those two teams make it. Not, ha- not yeah, having Boston or say. New York or the Dodgers or the Astros in the World Series would be bad from a marketing standpoint, but great for a baseball purist standpoint. Mm-hmm, I yeah. agree. <laughs> um, so when it comes to the World Series then, Patrick has Milwaukee versus Oakland. Who do you have taken that? It's the Brew Crew all the way. Okay. I'm a, I'm a fan of chaos. You heard it here first. The yeah. Brewers. Uh, Justin? Unfortunately, Boston. I don't want them to win, but I don't see how they don't. I, I just don't see how Boston loses the World yeah. Series. I mean, they are loaded. They are absolutely loaded this year. Barring some kind of, like, epic meltdown game where, like, they just totally ruin their morale. Yeah. Like, sometimes those games that just turn into a huge cancer in the locker room. Someone right. messes up royally. That's the only way the I see Boston. Sinking. Yeah, that's the only way I see Boston <laughs> losing because they are just uh, so Yeah, good. no, I, I think the World Series probably goes six or six or seven games. I pr- probably six. I don't mm-hmm. think Milwaukee has the uh, power to take Boston the distance. All right, last question here. Um, at this time next year, are the Jays going to be in our playoff prediction show? Will the Jays make the playoffs next year? No. 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 Fuck you guys. I'm saying yes. I'm the only optimist here. Whatever. Uh, I don't know if it's optimism. <laughs> it, it's optimism because it's not. It's not taking into. Uh, it's not taking into consideration the facts because if you take the facts into consideration, we shouldn't make the playoffs. So it's optimism. If we make the playoffs this year, it'd be because Vladdy hits like 75 home runs. At least. At least. He'll probably need like 275 <laughs> then to make the playoffs next year. But I think it could happen. Rowdy Telez needs to bat 375 yeah. over a whole season. That could for us happen, to make man. He's great. Uh, that's it. 
it. That's all for episode 18. Um, can't wait for the playoffs again. Go Cleveland because Edwin and Josh, I really, really hope that they can upset Boston. I know it's not going to happen, but fingers crossed. Uh, it's going to be a fun playoff. Uh, we're going to be with you the entire time as well. Uh, we will see you next week. On behalf of Patrick and Justin, happy playoffs, everyone.